Preeclampsia can turn a pregnancy from normal to deadly. Could new research hold the key to preventing or treating preeclampsia? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing current therapies for new uses. And our guest is Dr. Sharon Maynard, Assistant Professor, Division of Renal Disease and Hypertension at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. Dr. Maynard is one of the world's leaders in preeclampsia research and clinical care and joins us to talk about her research into what causes or could treat preeclampsia. Dr. Maynard, welcome to Reach MD. Thanks for having me, Bruce. So let's talk about preeclampsia. What is it exactly, or do we really know what it is? Well, I can tell you what we do know. We certainly don't know everything about preeclampsia yet, but preeclampsia is a syndrome that affects women in the second half of their pregnancy, and its typical manifestations are the new onset of high blood pressure and proteinuria in a woman who didn't previously have either of those conditions. But these are really just the tip of the iceberg, and underneath the surface, preeclampsia is a multi-system disorder that affects and can affect many different organs in the mom's body. But what ties everything together is widespread maternal endothelial dysfunction, dysfunction in the cells that line the blood vessels of the mother's body. How frequent does this occur in the pregnant population? Preeclampsia is very common. It affects about 5% of all pregnancies, but it is not evenly distributed across all pregnancies. It typically affects first pregnancies or pregnancies where the mom has some other risk factor for preeclampsia, such as diabetes, hypertension, obesity, kidney disease. All of those things can increase the risk of preeclampsia up to as much as 10 to 15% for any given pregnancy. And is there any way to screen for it? Right now, there does not exist a screening test that has been validated for preeclampsia. It's my hope that that will change very soon. And there's a lot of active ongoing research related to the factor called ESLIT, soluble FMS-like tyrosine kinase 1, and some related angiogenic factors that come from the placenta that we actually believe are not just a biomarker for preeclampsia, not just a sign and potentially a screening test for preeclampsia, but potentially actually the cause of preeclampsia, at least in most cases. So not yet, but maybe in five years. So let's go back to the early discovery of this molecule, SFLT, this protein. You and your research partners discovered it and its relationship to preeclampsia. Tell us about that research and how it occurred. Yeah, this was some exciting work that I was lucky enough to be part of during my renal fellowship, actually, that I had just joined the lab of Dr. Ananth Karamanchi, who is remains at uh, the Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center at Harvard, where I was doing my fellowship. And neither Ananth nor I had done any preeclampsia research prior to this, but he was aware of this background ideas about floating around about the mechanism of preeclampsia and, and recognized that preeclampsia seemed to be manifested as endothelial dysfunction, and yet the source of preeclampsia was thought to be a factor coming from the placenta. And his hypothesis was that if there was some sort of secreted protein being made by the placenta that caused preeclampsia, we might be able to detect it by doing gene expression profiling or gene chip analysis. 
So what we did was we took several placentas from women who had preeclampsia and who didn't, isolated the messenger RNA, and compared the gene expression levels of thousands of genes simultaneously using one of these gene chips. And, and what we found was near the top of the list of genes that were overexpressed in the placenta of women with preeclampsia was this molecule that we call S-split. Then how did you verify that? Did you do any animal testing to try and create it with S-split? Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, gene expression profiling, these types of experiments are done all the time. And just because something seems to be overexpressed, you know, the line connecting that to being the cause of the disease is, is actually a very long one. And, you know, most of these candidates don't pan out at all. The key experiment that really proved the important role of S-Slit was we created an animal model where we administered exogenous S-Slit to pregnant rats. And one way we could have done this would have been to infuse, you know, put an IV, an indwelling catheter in these rats and continuously administer the S-Slit protein itself. But it turned out to be a lot simpler and easier to give them S-Slit via an adenoviral vector. So we administered the adenoviral vector, and that infected the liver, the hepatocytes of these animals, and actually turned their livers into eslet-producing factories of a sort. So these animals had very sustained high levels of circulating eslet in the body, and we took a look at them in their third trimester. We measured their blood pressure, and we looked for protein in the urine. These are the two cardinal manifestations of preeclampsia in humans. And we also looked at changes in their kidney under the microscope. And we found that really they had all of the manifestations of preeclampsia. And it was really the first time that anyone had created an animal model that so clearly mimicked all of the pathologic changes that we see in preeclampsia. So let's fast forward to today and talk about your current research work. What are you doing and how is it impacting SFLIT research? Well, I've been involved in a couple of different areas. You know, I'm a clinician. You know, I never did get a PhD. Um, I've been trained as an MD. And so for me, the real excitement about this discovery is the potential clinical applications. How can we bring this to the bedside? So in terms of what I'm working on now, you know, I'm still very young and junior investigator. So the scope of, of what it's in my power to do is not as broad as some. To me, the most exciting thing might be a treatment, and, and that's something I haven't worked on directly yet. But one thing that I've worked on is to try to figure out whether S-Split could be used as a screening test for preeclampsia. One of the studies we did very soon after this discovery was to collaborate with Richard Levine at the NIH, and we measured levels of S-Split in thousands of women at various points in their gestation. And the exciting thing that we found was that S-Split is up in the circulation about five to eight weeks before the onset of any signs or symptoms of preeclampsia. So part of my research has been to try to verify this as a screening test for preeclampsia so that we might be able to offer women closer monitoring or maybe someday in the future some sort of prevention strategy or intervention to prevent preeclampsia from occurring in these women who are destined to get it. Another area that I've been interested in is to harness this very interesting observation, and that is that women who smoke have a decreased incidence of preeclampsia. They have about half the preeclampsia risk of women who don't smoke. Now, we don't advertise this very heavily because there are a lot of negative consequences of smoking in pregnancy. But one thing that both me and others have wondered is if we can figure out the mechanism by which smoking protects against preeclampsia, maybe that's something that we can somehow harness to be a treatment. 
So I've kind of been exploring, you know, the mechanism by which nicotine might affect S-flip production in the placenta. We don't even know for sure that it's nicotine. It might be something else in tobacco smoke to try to figure out whether some sort of specific treatment based on whatever that mechanism is, you know, might be effective. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I'm speaking with Dr. Sharon Maynard, Assistant Professor of the Division of Renal Disease and Hypertension at George Washington University in Washington, D.C., about her research into what causes or could treat preeclampsia. So is there a clinical component right now to your research? Are you testing women who are pregnant, or are you doing more lab research? Yeah, I'm kind of in a bit of a transition in my career now where I'm moving more toward clinical research. So yes, I'm definitely involved in clinical research now and and hope to become more involved as time goes by. The clinical research that I'm involved in at the moment is primarily focused on the development of SFLIT as a screening test for preeclampsia. It's actually pretty complicated because it's a moving target. SFLIT actually, even in normal women, increases in the third trimester of pregnancy. When you're developing a screening test, you need to establish a normal range, but it's not one size fits all. Depending upon the time in pregnancy when a woman gets screened, the definition of what a normal versus an abnormal split level is are likely to be very different. There are actually a couple of other biomarkers which seem to be very closely related to split, placental growth factor or PLGF, and soluble endoglin, which was also discovered in, in Dr. Caramanchi's lab. And together, this trio of biomarkers seems to be extremely predictive of preeclampsia when measured about four weeks before the onset of symptoms. So yes, I'm involved in some clinical research studies where we were sampling blood from women, pregnant women with and without risk factors for preeclampsia and waiting to see who develops the disease. And hopefully this will be a really good screening test for preeclampsia that might be available, you know, within the next several years. So if we did develop the screening test, would it help us? Do we have any kind of treatment? Well, that's the question of the hour. Right now, not only is there no effective treatment for preeclampsia other than delivery of the baby, but we don't have a good prevention strategy either. Many things have been studied, but so far nothing has turned out to be really effective for prevention of preeclampsia. People have looked at uh, giving calcium to prevent preeclampsia. Aspirin may have a tiny effect. may reduce the risk of preeclampsia very slightly. Right now, there is a very large trial sponsored by the NIH ongoing looking at antioxidants to treat preeclampsia. But, you know, unfortunately, in in the last year or so, a couple of big trials in Europe and other places have come out that really show that antioxidants really don't help. So, unfortunately, right now, there's not a whole lot to offer a woman if she were to have a positive screening test for preeclampsia other than very close monitoring. Preeclampsia is one of these things that because its manifestations aren't necessarily overt, hypertension and proteinuria are something that a woman can have for many days or even weeks and never know it. Often, preeclampsia is smoldering, detectable in theory, but smoldering for a long time before it comes to clinical attention. And the women who tend to do very poorly are the women where by the time they show up, 
in a doctor's office or in the hospital have very advanced and serious disease. So in my mind, given our what we currently have to use to treat preeclampsia, the main advantage would be to prevent that type of thing from happening. Because if a woman screened positive, you could at least monitor her much more closely, follow her blood pressure on a daily basis, for example, and catch preeclampsia at the very, very early stages so that you could manage her as best you could with things that we have like bed rest, blood pressure medications, steroids so that the baby's lungs mature in case she does need to be delivered prematurely, those types of things. Preeclampsia can be a deadly condition of pregnancy for the mother and for the fetus. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Sharon Maynard, Assistant Professor, Division of Renal Disease and Hypertension at George Washington University in Washington, D.C., for joining us to talk about her research into what causes or could treat preeclampsia, especially ASFLT. I'm attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com where you can find our new on-demand and podcast features that will allow you access to our entire program library. And thank you for listening.